0: Well, welcome to The Walrus and the Carpenter. My name is Jason Alligut. I'm the teaching pastor of Fellowship Bible Church, and with me as always is Gary Gere, pastor of Calvary Baptist Bible Church, also in Peoria. Gary, looks like you had some sonic today.
1: Yes. In fact, I was going to remark, as I'm finishing off this cherry limeade, where can I leave the limes in your office that you will not find them for a few (laughs) weeks?
0: Well, if you ask me that, (laughs) I'm going to know, all right? So uh, you might want to ask Lori or Brett. Brett always likes to pull practical jokes on me, so...
1: And how do you respond to those practical jokes?
0: I'm kidding. He never pulls practical jokes on Okay, I'm, I
1: was about to say, <laughs> I mean, is it bitterness? Is it, is yeah, it anger? Yeah, yeah.
0: No, it's probably more me picking on him than than him ever picking on me. But anyway, uh, we uh, quickly digress at the beginning of our very important show here today. Uh, but we have the privilege of having a guest on today. Gary, would you introduce him, please?
1: Yes. Uh I- I've kind of known Greg somewhat through the years. Through course. give a last
0: name, you do this all the time. I, I'm, I'm, you give a first name, and then you like expect people to know who this is. Greg
1: Greg is in witness protection. All right, <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason he doesn't want people to know who he is. Um, uh, this is Greg Linscott, pastor at Brown Street Baptist Church down in Al- in Alton, Illinois. Uh, down at the far south end of the state, basically right across the river from St. Louis. I think he's been there a three or four years now, Greg. Uh,
2: not quite three, two okay. and
1: a half. Okay. And I've known Greg through correspondence mainly and a few phone calls and spending some time together. I I appreciate his, uh, his uh, steady thinking. And uh, there's some things I don't appreciate, but we're not here about that today. But 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 your family has a connection with. Well, Greg.
0: let me let me say I would like to say that we're mutual friends with Greg, but uh,
1: no, I no, I no there's a great
0: gap. No, between so you and I you. flew to California once to meet with Greg. Uh, and then he drives through, okay, and guess who he invites to uh, get coffee or lunch or something, and I have no clue he's in town.
1: Well, that tells you how bad that <laughs> meeting in California went, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Greg didn't want to talk about it.
0: That's right. Right. That's right, yeah. No, uh, actually, Greg and I did meet for the first time face-to-face at Shepherds Conference quite a few years ago now, but um, our wives actually uh, spent some time together in their high school years in Grand Rapids, and so the connection for Greg and I is actually through through our wives. And then, uh, you know, and then Greg, I don't know if you know this or not, a. he is a um, – uh internet so celebrity you know? yes yes yeah, so. i would say
1: that and in fact could we call <laughs> him an influencer yes i think that's a, we, we that's could a good call him influencer. that's a good
0: good point um uh, so uh,
1: uh instagram had jenna marbles and uh sharper iron had greg that's right <laughs> and uh the <laughs> pastor's fellowship on facebook Right. Um,
2: well, we don't talk about that. That's that's clandestine. Okay, fair <laughs>
1: enough. Well, basically what, what, what we wanted to talk about today, and this was kind of my idea in reaching out to Greg, is um, Greg has been acting on a larger, and I'm, I'm not going to use the word denominational, but on, he's been part of some larger um, association concerns and also some immediate just local church concerns as far as how the local church is addressing the racial tensions that are going on right now in the United States. And I thought it'd be really interesting if we just brought them on and we started talking about some of these, maybe talking about their usefulness, how we come to the decisions that we do, and even possibly think, okay, what can we be doing better in the future as local Bible-believing as local Bible churches with, with, with all of this? Mm-hmm. Okay, and there, and there's that's, a pregnant that's, pause.
0: That's your that's your that's your your, your uh, signal to go, Greg. <laughs>
1: okay, Greg, you, All right. you just hop in there, baby. I'm not sure how exactly you want me to okay. start. Well, so I, would, do I have... would, I would, uh, I'll tell you the the first thing that that comes to mind is uh, I forget it was last week or the week before on Facebook you published the garb resolution on on race, and I know right. you didn't well, write it and you didn't put it together. But I'm kind of curious on on what you see the purpose of a resolution is on an association level because the Garb's not a denomination, but mm-hmm. at least they keep telling us that. Um, right. But no that that's our
2: that's our story and we're sticking to it. Right. <laughs> and I
1: believe you and I were together at the American Council for Christian Churches way back thirteen fourteen years ago, and and they rolled out a fair amount of number of resolutions at that point. So, right. if you could talk, uh, and and you may even want to bring in the Southern Baptist at this point, or whoever else, and talk about the role of resolutions on a macro level, there.
2: Well, I think that there is some, there's some tradition that we, all of us, I, you, you're not, are any of you the founding pastors of your churches?
1: No, no, nope. no.
2: And so, so I think that we, and same here, our church is almost 100 years old, and. So there are things that you inherit, forms that are there that maybe you wouldn't implement, but now you have them, and so you're working with them. And there, So I think there's some measure where that happens, that takes place. I don't know if, if we were recreating it today, if, if any of us would come up with the idea of resolutions as we've inherited them. But on the other hand, I think there is value in what uh, we have to uh, that that establishes, if nothing else, uh, kind of a current policy uh, for how uh, churches like ours should be functioning, um, how we should be thinking through, like, with this issue that's quite really in the headlines and, and so forth. It was also interesting in the council meetings, we, the, the, the resolution that you're referring to was actually officially approved just Monday. Um, so what I had posted on Monday was the, uh, the draft version that did not get altered in any way, but was approved by the messengers, um, on Monday and in a vote. This is, it's an interesting time with COVID. We actually didn't have a physical meeting this year. It was all a virtual online meeting.
1: Now, now, Um, now, 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 pausing just a moment for the sake of our audience, could you define what a resolution is and what they come up often? Like, like why does a resolution and why does it come up? Why does it appear? Um, resolutions,
2: as I'm understanding them, are uh, a the way that a collective body uh, is speaking to and addressing uh, issues uh, with a with a collective voice. Um, I, I'm not sure if I could do better than that at this point. That's, um, but actually,
1: that's very good, and that that pretty much summarizes it. I'm mildly yeah. surprised, but l- go on. L-
0: l- let me ask you. Go ahead, go ahead, Greg. Go. Yeah,
1: I
2: was going to say when we had our deliberations, uh, the council met on Friday, uh, one of the things that we went back and did was review a resolution that was on the similar topic. Uh, but was one that had been passed in the nineties. Um, and there were some comparisons made the, actually things were fairly favorable as far as what we said then versus what we were saying now. Um, and, Uh, I I, there was one point where somebody raised that we'd actually made a uh, an omission compared to something they had said back then and we didn't feel that it was significant enough to to alter it or anything Uh, but it was oh you know I know what it was it was about uh, and it had really nothing to do with the racism issue It was more like uh, talking about eschatologically how at the end all nations would be gathered around the throne that that kind of thing Um, and so that but but we hit on all the points um, without necessarily intending to compare that, but somebody just drew it out of the archives, kind of giving a um, a sensibility if somebody ever wanted to challenge, are we changing our priorities or different mm-hmm. things like this institutionally that this is has been the heartbeat of of, of our uh, fellowship of churches. I think there's also value in this guys when we understand that these are our issues that are the members of our congregation uh, are facing that this is what uh, our leaders uh, are thinking through as they view uh, the society through the lens of, of a biblical framework uh, how we should be responding how we should be reacting uh, and thinking through it, it's a such a politically charged conversation um, and uh, you know there might be the tendencies to defend uh, what you perceive to be your end of, of the, the pool so to speak um, but I, I thought that the, the resolution that we just issued was very thorough in acknowledging where we have failed um, acknowledging both things like the murders and the the violence uh, that has been directed towards the african-american community but also upholding uh our responsibility uh to protect or to respect other people's property to respect those who are uh have been given the sword and, and law enforcement and so forth um it, we, we the the authors really strive to be balanced uh, and, and bring the full orb of, of biblical responsibility there uh and in that way i thought it was actually a uh, a very thorough treatment uh, of it, um, and uh, it would be difficult for me to imagine anybody in our church uh, churches opposing it. The question, probably more practically, is how many people are actually going to read it, hmm. um, and that that's something we're we're kind of trying to figure out as we move along too. That uh, pastors are going to read it. Pastors might encourage other people to read it, but how much of that is speaking uh, to the voice or to the to the ears who really need uh, to be challenged with these truths?
0: Yeah, that that raises a really. This a great transition to the question I had, uh, Greg, which is um, uh, concerning. You know, something like the GRBC, the SBC, and, and then kind of a, a sub question to that, or totally churches that would be independent and not even ha- be a part of a fellowship. But you know, you have, you have the the GARB, you have the SBC, you have, let's say, IFCA that make resolutions. Um, what happens when or how is a church held accountable to that when there is this autonomy uh, piece? Um, you know, we, we would say uh, in the SBC, you guys in the GRB, uh, but then you have a church like Gary's that's totally independent. Um,
1: and we're better than you. I'll throw that <laughs> out there. Of course. Um, yeah, okay. as, as long but, as we all understand You know, that.
0: In, in what sense is there an accountability, um, you know, for those churches that are a part of associations? Um, because even the SBC is, even though it's considered, you know, the largest denomination, it really is an association because there's no governing body. Um, except for two days out of the year or whatever. Um, right. Yeah. So, how how do you? What is your response to that? Like accountability to these resolutions, and then and then what would you say to a church that's independent that doesn't really have like a history to go back to an uh, quote unquote apologize for?
2: Well, that's that's an inter- accountability to the resolution. I would see them being more along the lines of policy than in. Forcibility. Um, sure. I was actually reflecting with a friend uh, uh, recently about one of the more controversial resolutions I remember in the GRBC. It was actually back. I would have been living in Grand Rapids at the time. And uh, we were talking about uh, here recently the idea of corporate repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, ah. and is there ever an occasion for that? Um, and the GRBC issued a resolution uh, back, it would have probably been early 90s, um, where there, were, uh, there was a, a corporate uh, repentance uh, that was issued about the whole race issue and, and different, different things like this. The GRBC actually has a history um, that we should not be proud of. Uh, in regards to another association that w- was at that point in time called the Fundamental Baptist Fellowship Association, now is just the Bible Fellowship yeah, Association. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. And so they they had uh, they made um, some restitution. They actually had a, a few years where they had joint um, national conferences and some different th- things like this, trying to repair uh, some of that and acknowledging that. But I remember that the pastor I sat under at the time uh, was very concerned because he felt that we were asking people to repent who hadn't actually been guilty of that personally themselves. And Mm -hmm. was that something you could legitimately do or not? Um, At the same time, he didn't, they didn't leave the association. The association didn't ask them to leave because of the lack of agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I don't feel that they're, they're dictatorial in that sense. I, I, I would probably expect it that if we would go outside the boundaries, like say if uh, there were a strong sentiment within the association, let's say, for a certain style of music, uh, and we made a resolution on that. Um, I could foresee people uh, either, uh, depending on how hard that was pushed, um, making a decision to uh, either withdraw practically mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. withdraw actually mm-hmm. from something like that, let's say, because mm-hmm. they weren't in agreement with that. It,
1: mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting because I, I think it does bring um, a distinction between something like a resolution, and I'm thinking in terms of what's transformational in church culture. I think there's a big difference between, and you've both, you and Jason have alluded to this of saying, hey, this is the word of God applied in this situation, and now we're going to formalize. The way we, as a group of churches, should act in response to this, as opposed to the other forms of resolutions that I would sometimes run into, that are just condemnatory. Uh, the the I, I pastored a church for nine and a half years, and the pastor before me loved to put down resolution after resolution. And I was, I mean, I was flipping back through hmm. the, the minutes, and when they moved a hot topic into the mall, they had a resolution oh con- condemning hot topics. <laughs> Which is ironic because that's where I get my kids' t shirts because, you know, they're right. all, you know, and they're all into the anime and the games and, and you know, all of that right. stuff. So oh it's my. like, okay, I'm going to find an odd t shirt for my kids. I'll go to Hot Topic. And no, I'm not saying Hot Topic's awesome. That's not what I'm saying. Mm. But it's, and Greg, even I think the, the, the one meeting we're at together, they were like condemning amusement parks. And because mm. of having, you know, days set aside for homosexuals or the fact that people were going there on Sundays and just laying these things out and I looked at that and I'm like how is this supposed to change anybody what what but we look at a resolution, resolution like the Garb did or even the Southern Baptist did a few years back and say okay we acknowledge that this is where we sinned and just to let everybody know this is how we're changing and we hope everyone's in agreement with this, I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. I I think, too, just
2: the way that resolutions have been prescribed in the past, uh, before I came here to Illinois uh, two and a half years ago, I was involved in uh, two different associations in the last state I was in, in Minnesota. Um, Both of those associations had really back down severely and how they did resolutions. And one of the associations I was, I, I think that they actually had b- basically gotten to the point where the resolution every year uh, was something along the lines of expressing appreciation for the host and affirming the theme for that year's conference you know, and that, <laughs> yeah. that kind of a thing. But when you looked back, part of that, there was a sharp reaction to what they'd done in the past, which did tend to be more condemnatory or drawing the lines and, uh, and that kind of thing. And, whatever else, there was not the same degree of unity that, that the churches had to do that or to voice that. They, they felt it was more uh, unhealthily divisive uh, to continue that kind of a trajectory.
1: And on, on, on a whole other issue, I mean, not a whole issue, but kind of tying in with that, the, the Southern Baptist recently, on um, the resolution regarding critical theory, and i mean mm-hmm. i'm 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 not to debate one side or the other of the resolution but it's interesting how much that divided people that right. that that resolution like cut a line said you know here you are you shall not pass yeah
2: and and we've seen the repercussions even outside of the convention yeah. uh, where other people are drawing lines because that line has been drawn kind of a thing um so I, I don't know, when you talked about too, your, your the church that you went into, Gary, uh, I remember the, the first church where I had a vocational staff position, um, we didn't have a cumbersome uh, bylaws and doctrinal statement, but one of uh, the previous senior pastors before the one I served under had been there, he had a whole uh, big old three-ring binder full of just different policies hmm. that were never congregationally passed, but he just put them in that this is how we're going to conduct codify them you know and so uh everything from you know we we won't smoke and we won't chew and go go with those that do kind of a thing um like what kind of music you'd listen to whether or not you go to the movie theater some of the legalistic expectations this is where you found them Right. But not necessarily in the, the membership covenant or in right. the bylaws. Now, now,
1: now, um, now, now, pulling back again, then, looking at the resolution thing, here's the big question What is our hope long term to impact the racial question or anything like that? What are we hoping is going to happen?
2: Well, I, I know that we would certainly see at our level in the, the regular Baptist movement um that we recognize that we have a long way to go in improving um the demographic uh, of our churches the reach that we have uh as especially in, in the the places where we have uh city churches that kind of a thing that's mm-hmm. one of the the things that I've recognized as we've come here uh I'm at Brown Street where we have probably on a Sunday on a really good Sunday morning we might be pushing 150 um to almost 99% if not 100% white. Um the the demographic being thrown off a little bit because I'm half Filipino so that's um, the pastor. Um, you're just so, all
1: about the diversity there Greg.
2: Right. And uh so but we are in a neighborhood that is nearly 50% African American. Um that's morphed and changed over the years. That was not true uh, when the church was first established, but economic decline and, and other things have contributed to that. Um, we recognize that that's something we need to continue to address at our level. And, and I feel like that's something that um, our council and our, our uh, association leadership also wants to try to prioritize uh, on a more national level. We, we have, Uh, one of the most encouraging things that's happened at our level is we've, we've put a lot more resources and money and, uh, leadership to developing a strategy for seeing new churches started. Uh, not just saying we need to start more churches, but, uh, we're starting to provide more funding, um, developing internships, funding those internships to get church planners, uh, prepared, uh, recruiting them out of seminaries and, and colleges, that kind of a thing, um, because we, we want to develop a more uh, dedication to, to getting that done um, and trying to also encourage us to go to some of the areas um, where that we do see more ethnic diversity, uh, where there are uh, unreached groups uh, that, that are, that are in this country. The, the history that I had back in Minnesota, we worked with, I think we talked about it on one yep. of your podcasts uh, about the, the immigrant group that we worked with. Right. Um, and those are things that I think that a resolution like this kind of reminds our churches that this mm-hmm. is uh, okay. continuing to be the priority. Uh, this is the doctrinal basis, maybe even behind what you're going to see the practical outcomes uh, this is helping us to justify that. I've also heard some people say resolutions are kind of the application of our doctrinal statements. Okay. Um, which I think is another another good way of looking at it. Again, not quite as binding, not quite as codified as as the doctrinal statement would be. Um, but this is what it looks like. Starts to look like in uh, action, shaping our practice, not just our principle. So. Um, and so I think that's
1: helpful. So moving along a little bit, and this is something, what are you doing on a local church level to address some of this? And you've, you've brought some of this up to me before. And you've yeah. been talking about me through chat last night.
2: Right. Um, this we're recording this on a Wednesday. And so tonight with, uh, we would normally be having our Wednesday night midweek service, but with COVID, like every, a lot of people we've, we've changed things. Uh, but, um, I'm, before we started our church remodel process, our church has a gymnasium, and so one wanted to try to connect with our neighbors, and we, uh, for the last couple of years, had opened it up on Thursday nights just for anybody in the neighborhood who wanted to come and play ball with us. Uh, the group that came was predominantly African American. Uh, I didn't get even very many people from our church uh, to come, but there were probably a good two or three of us here, and then usually on a good night, uh, anywhere from 16 to 25, uh, African-American guys coming from around the neighborhood. Um, for the last uh, six months, we've been in a remodel process, so we haven't been doing that. Um, but we still have the connections that we would established. So we're meeting tonight uh, just to try to have uh, hard conversations, to talk about hard topics in light of some of the things that have happened here in our country. Um, some of these guys are not church. Some of them do uh, are involved in their church lives but maybe for, on a different uh, end of spectrum of christianity more in the uh pentecostal charismatic side of things even one of the guys who's coming tonight he's a uh a staff member at a church of god and christ congregation here in alton mm-hmm. um but just to start talking through um what we see is different and one of the guys i have coming from my church here he's one of our deacons who used to play basketball with us but he's a Uh, police officer for the city of Alton Um, that that's going to be a a good thing I think just to talk about uh, one of the things that's entered into the the conversation has been uh, police violence and 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 prejudice and in that way just to hear uh, another contribution to that conversation who's coming at it from a different angle somebody they know and have at least somewhat of a familiarity and trust with uh, having had that community experience uh, so, so those are things that I see that we're, we're going to try to keep contributing to not again just for political feel good reasons but uh, as we gain acceptance and trust that gives us more of a venue to actually bring the gospel to bear uh, on on the people's situations to understand um, that we are not just trying to promote our own interests but we're mm-hmm. trying to uh, give out uh, a message that the grounds level at the foot of the cross uh, that that Uh, This is not a white man's religion. This is uh, Jesus calling to himself a people from every tribe, language, and nation, and uh, uh, making sure that we're giving off that perception, Uh, but also seeing that their injustices matter to us, that if if there's a perception that we are being unloving or uncaring, we want to change that. We want to alter that perception.
0: And I think, Greg, Uh, that that's a real important point that you just brought up, which is I think people want to put the label of, you know, social justice warrior or, you know, critical race theory or whatever on these kinds of meetings when what you're what you're seeking to do, not just for the sake of building a bridge, but you're really building a bridge with compassion, right, that we do care about these issues um, and we recognize that the only piece that can be brought is through the gospel. But, but the conversation has to start somewhere that, com- that conversation of compassion has to start somewhere. And, um, right. and, and having those conversations um, it, it's not, it's not your church service, right? I mean, the, these, these are separate meetings you're going to have, you're going to sit down, but you're going to show care. And um, I think that's awesome, man. Uh, I think as well, just to mention real quickly that all three of us have a mutual friend and Chris Brown, and, you know, mm-hmm. with, with Chris planting in Ferguson where there was so much of the unrest um, just a few years ago um, with a guy who's, you know, super conservative, you know, um, you know, believes the Bible in the authority of Scripture and um, uh, is as an African-American guy planning planning in that area. I think of a, I don't know if you know Kempton Turner or not and, and Kempton there at City of Joy. Uh, in, in, mm-hmm. um, in East St. Louis. And, and the same thing, you know, Kempton grew up in East St. Louis and is coming back. Um, but you know, uh, even, even the basketball thing, you know, we, we had something similar here at our church. Um, it, it kind of fizzled out unfortunately, but yeah, just those, those avenues, um, of connection, if you will. Um, right. it doesn't mean you have to, you know, you don't have to have the African-American guy on staff in order to have those conversations and that kind of a thing, so.
1: And I I I think, right. I think you have to a few things, and when I'm hopefully demonstrated somewhat here, I think when we look at these issues within the church or trying to create or not not create but to have a congregation that reflects
0: the our community, you know, the, yeah. the
1: the the community or of all the nations together, mm-hmm. it, it has to be top down. It has to be where leadership is saying, okay, this is how we're seeing things biblically, and the guys with the boots on the ground are saying, okay. These are the simple, small things that I'm going to do on a day-by-day, a week-by-week basis, and we'll see what the Holy Spirit does with it, which actually Mm -hmm. seems to run contrary a lot to our desire for program-driven transformation, which really Mm. is not possible, especially in this situation. And I say this as one who works with government programs. They help to a point, but they cannot change people. And anyway, blah, 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 blah.
2: Right. I think that, yeah, the, the program needs, the, there, there's a challenge to that, too, because it, that's even something that we're facing at our church, not just on this issue, but generally. Um, we, we can make these things sometimes our projects, but we forget that we need to also make relationships with right. the people that we're right. reaching.
1: And relationships um, are exhausting, and we don't want that. <laughs>
2: right. Right. Right, because I mean, we barely have enough exhausted. time for the ones that we already have. I mean,
1: we've only <laughs> been on for 35 minutes, and I'm ready to take a nap, Greg. <laughs> hey, I hear you. I hear you. Um,
2: yeah, with, with, with doing what we do in foster care, there's, there's never enough sleep. So,
0: right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, man, I have, I have one. We're running out of time here, but I have one final question for you that will determine uh, <laughs> some, some, something very important for me as, as someone who used to live in St. Louis. i lived in St. Louis for 12 years. I know you're not in St. Louis directly. But, but you're close enough to know the answer to this question. But I'm going to find out if you know the right answer. Do you okay. like Emos Pizza?
2: I am not repelled by it, but I don't have any kind of a craving for it. My, my, I have a son who is repelled by it. He he does not like the provolone cheese or or, or anything like that. Your son is right. I,
0: he is in the good graces yes. of of Jason Allagood.
2: <laughs> wow, and he'll sleep better. I've for just that. never been a thin crust guy, so it's not like I'm I'm. I, I feel like we're overpaying for yep. something. There's a there's a good place in Bethalto, Illinois called Roma's. Okay, uh, that, that's more of the thing. That, that's that's where we're kind of. That's where you guys lean. If we have okay. Choices. Yeah. 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 So that, that's where I'm at on the spectrum. <laughs> I, I can I can get it down, but I'm I'm not a big yeah big fan. I can get it I, down I if to... I'm like
0: tofu burger hungry. Like, if there's nothing else in the house.
1: Guys, this sounds like a hateful spirit. I have no idea what you're talking about, but this sounds like a hateful spirit.
0: Oh, it's just a little St. Louis banter, that's all. Oh,
1: brother. Right.
0: (laughs) Well, Well,
2: well, Jason, since we're talking about food, what's your favorite uh, barbecue joint here in the area?
0: I love Bandana's Barbecue.
2: Bandanas. I've not tried them yet, so I have to, have to get down. You have to. You have to and try then,
0: try them out. Now that's a it's a chain, quote unquote, but it was started by a single guy who came into the area. But uh, I really like okay. their ribs. What about you?
2: I, I've I've kind of tended toward Sugar Fire. There's a place oh, yeah. on this side of the river called Fire and Smoke. That's pretty good. Okay, Happy's is also good. Happy's is
0: classic. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And yeah. then Beastcraft over in uh, uh, Belleville was really good too. I, I had okay. a chance to try them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so Sugar Fire is is awesome, and uh, you know Pappies is kind of like the world renowned. But Pappies actually started out of. In uh, Gary's like falling asleep over here, but uh, I used to live in Eureka, <laughs> and uh, there was this place called Super Smokers, which they had a few locations. But but the guy who started Pappies uh, came out of Super Smokers. So uh, yeah, there's a whole lot right. of other things we could uh, talk about uh, St. Louis wise, but we're boring Gary, and we're we're That's at the end of our right. time. It's so. all about me. <laughs> Well, Greg, thanks for being on the show today, man. We really, really appreciated having you.
2: Appreciate you guys too. And uh, Jason, make sure we're going to have to put plans together to get our wives together here someday soon.
0: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, hey, listen, thanks for listening to The Walrus and the Carpenter. We hope you appreciate it. If you have any questions or comments, please uh, uh, check us out on wallcarpradio.wordpress.com or head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash wallcarpradio. Like Uh,
1: like us. We need affirmation. We need
0: affirmation. We need you to go over to iTunes and and give us some sort of a rating. We don't even care if it's one, two, three, four, or five stars. But uh, thanks for listening to today. We'll catch you next time.